Unfolding the eternal excellences, the hidden insights of the truth and the depth of the riches of wisdom and knowledge. The Bible says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have not pointed to your weaknesses. He says, I have cleansed thee by the word. I have pointed to your strength. And this is your strength, that I am Christ in you, the hope of glory. The glory of freedom, the glimpses into eternity. The gospel is not supposed to be an assumption. It's not supposed to be just a mere presupposition. Truth is older than language, but the word of God is way deeper than any human language. And now, Apostle Grace with the word. Today our reading is going to come from Psalms chapter 32. And um, why do I choose that text tonight? Because many a time, Unfortunately, some believers have been delusional in the thought that when you are created by God, of course, with a purpose in your life, and then you become born again, some people think that you leave yourself to the fate of things as life evolves, and then you borrow a few phrases and chapters in the Word of God to help fill up the gaps you don't understand or the spaces in which you're conflicted in life as you walk through your journey of life until the day you live and go to heaven. And consequently, many people in the back of their heads have designed a life of survival. And they train, exercise themselves, chisel, themselves to be fit enough to survive until the next day, the next year, until Jesus Christ comes for them. Forgetting that the purposes of God have a defined course of destiny specifically to you as an individual and generally to us as the body of Christ. So every time we talk about destiny, it is multi-faceted. We can talk about the destiny of a nation. We can talk about the destiny of a people. We can talk about the destiny of a household. We can talk about the destiny of an individual or you. But whether you want it or not, there's some sort of design in the infinite wisdom of God for you to have some sort of course to define your destiny. Now, the balance there is in understanding what God wants from you on one side of the story. But the other side of the story is to discover the liberties that are available for you to allow you to do or have God's best while he is directing or defining your course. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. However, not all of us on this ground individually, as a household or people, are aligned perfectly to the destiny that God has designed for us. Some of us, because we made mistakes in the past, 
you entered the wrong relationship, you chose the wrong career, and in doing that, you have frustrated so much concerning the course of your destiny. Not everything consecrated under the order of God is consecrated in truth because we can arm twist God, God and uncourt, to perform in the age of grace according to those comforts. For example, some people think that you went to the altar with somebody and got married, therefore it was the will of God. As hard as this is, no. As hard as this is, no. You see what I'm saying? Because there are parameters in scripture that can either qualify your work or disqualify your work according to truth. As far as a car is in a garage, then presuppose that everybody else who sleeps in the garage is a car. Do you understand what I'm saying? Some of you think that because you slept in a garage, therefore you are a car. You don't become a car because you slept in a garage. But garages were built for cars to live. You see what I'm saying? So some of you design the order, the things that touch the order of God. And by that thing that God has consecrated your action. Praise the Lord Jesus. I've seen people who have exercised faith without wisdom because they were told in scripture that with God all things are possible. So they allude to that to think they're going to bring every kind of thing, even that which is not agreeable with God, and baptize it with faith, and therefore it will work. No. There are more underlying instructions, more underlying wisdoms. Some of us have erred in our course of destiny. Some of us have made mistakes we regret. We've gone places you wished you would not have gone. You can look back and say that I met people, but I made a mistake to meet this individual. Or I made a mistake to open this door. Or I made a mistake to enter this job. I made a mistake to open this business. A lot has frustrated the course of your destiny because you made decisions without the direction of God. And more than ever before, I cannot emphasize the importance of being directed, your steps being ordered in the course of your destiny. Because of that then, many people ask the question, how do I position myself to make sure that I am on the defined course of my destiny? I'm on God's design concerning destiny. How do I make sure that I'm not out of course? Or if I have gone out of course, how then do I repair it? Because again, the good news about God is even in your biggest mistakes, because he created the world and is the owner of ages or eons, by his grace, he can help you wherever you have fallen in your repentance to redesign for you something that could, you know, align you to respond at least closest to what you should have been designed originally to have by God. That's called grace. That's called grace. I know that people say, ah, if you've messed up, that's it, God. No, 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 that's not God. That's not God. 
a prophet came to Hezekiah and told him, prepare your house, you're going to go. This was God who told the prophet. Isn't it? But a man knelt before God, spoke a few words, and the same prophet in the middle of the courts was told, turn back and go and tell that man that 15 years have been added on him. So that means God can change a course. Somebody shout hallelujah. Is that merciful? So some of us, we judge God according to where we think life is. Not according to exactly where God is, but God can change a course. He can adjust things at our repentance to help us come closest to the most agreed, perfect, quintessential purpose. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. You will not have it 100%. But there is a permissible will that can draw you closest to something that will bring the comfort that you so desire to align you closest to what your destiny ought to be. And in some cases, even align you 100% to the cause. God can do it. With Him, all things are possible. And so, when I examine my personal life, for a testimony. If I can tell you that one thing over the years that I discovered that has so greatly propelled me to the course of my destiny and helped me redefine almost all the milestones, those that I can testify of in the past, those that I can affirm presently and those that I can confirm concerning the future. God helped me, He showed me what it means to be guided by Him, to be led by Him, to be directed by Him. You all know the Bible says that wisdom is profitable to direct. And many a time you're going to find yourself at crossroads and in huge confusion sometimes, or many times, many a times, where you're going to be asking the question, do I choose this? Do I choose that? Do I take that road? Do I take the other? Do I go behind? Do I go forward? Do I answer this call? Don't I answer this call? Do I respond to this email? Don't I respond to this email? Do I plant here? Don't I plant here? Do I build here? Do I break there? Do I construct there? Do I deconstruct here? Do I erect? Do I uproot? Those questions are going to come in your life. But not many of us here understand the secret of being directed, being guided by God. And if you don't know that, then it means not only are you going to make many errors, but you are going to be attuned out of divine timing. And there is nothing as conflicting and distracting in the human spirit like a man functioning out of godly timing. Things will not come in their own timing. I've shared that before. But if you want to know that you're in a conflicted world, things will not appear in their own time. They'll either appear later than their own time or earlier than their own time. And yet things have to or should or were designed to appear at the right timing. There is a time for everything. Are you following what I'm saying? 
Some of you became mothers before the time. Some of you became fathers before the time. And there were consequences. Some of you entered ministry to serve before time. Some of you entered ministry to serve behind time, you know, behind schedule. But there are people who entered ministry on time because there are principles that God has designed to weigh you against the right timing of things. Because of whether you agree with it or not, that doesn't change the fact. The appointed time, Sarah had a child. You see what I'm saying? Is a designed thing concerning our destinies. Praise the Lord Jesus. But also, there are liberties that help us, like I said, live at our best. And you know, we have an attack from the pits of hell itself. And I've seen it against, especially ministers like me and a few of them, who are trying to help people live deliberately God's best while we're still on the earth. Because you see, there are some people who only ended at the cross. They never transitioned beyond the cross. Jesus died for them and he was raised for their glory. But their revelation ends on what Jesus did at the cross. They have not transitioned beyond why he came. Now he says, I am come that you may have life and have it more abundantly until it overflows. Are you following what I'm saying? So men like us, we were sent, and not only me, there's a few men that I know in the world, to help Christians empower them to live their best. Because when you live your best, you are more effectual in your ministry on the earth. And consequently, your blessing in heaven. It's like sometimes when you talk about prosperity. Do you know that people who have a problem with prosperity? Oh, I think you've heard the saying that uh, those are prosperity preachers. Oh yes, I know people who preach prosperity as if it's the only thing a Christian lives for and behind that is a very sinister spirit of the love of money and the worship of the God Mammon, who are so taken into the world as lovers of the world and the things in the world. And so all they do in preaching to people is a prosperity that has no bearing with divine purpose. That group exists also. And I agree that there's a problem with that when it's preached beyond the ambits of God's design or the boundaries in which it should be preached. However, because that kind of group exists. Now, some people say, because that kind of group exists, therefore, teaching anything about prosperity is wrong. Or anything about prosperity is from hell. But that is an unbalanced soul. Because you see, the Bible says, I wish above all, this is not a mediocre statement, this is not a usual generic one. It's above all. That you may prosper and be in health even as thy soul prospers. So there's nothing wrong about preaching prosperity. The issue is balance it with a man's health and a man's soul. Who agrees? You be rich. You be deep. 
you be healthy. Okay? So we have a bunch of people who attack, you know, the blessing of wealth, but when they are sick, they want to be healed. You understand what I'm saying? They want the prosperity of their soul, but they don't understand that not everybody who is rich or prosperous is using prosperity for gain, is serving mammon. The people who I know are wealthy for the kingdom. There was a time Elon Musk was more than 300 what? Billion dollars. I think he lost about 200. There was a time it was 300 something billion dollars. Do you know how many billion dollars is your GDP, Uganda? 44. That means at one time one man would run your economy. Oh, we even have debt. So, <laughs> there's a man who could run our economy for seven, eight years. So when you think of the richest people in Kampala, even those guys who pass with expensive what there's a person who had that, <laughs> who could run all of us and sustain us <laughs> for how many years? Seven or eight years. Now imagine that was money a believer had and they could build the church and preach the gospel. Some of you don't think. Do you understand what I'm saying? Imagine that money was in the hands of a person who is tongue-speaking and spirit-filled and established in the will and purposes of God. How far would the gospel go? On television, on what, on everywhere. So not everybody who is rich is indifferent to the purposes of God. Have we agreed? That's why I emphasize, you're not going to live as a survivor in this world. You're supposed to have God's best. You're supposed to have God's best. Because if you do, you are effectual. There is nothing as ashamed eh? as being a tongue speaker who can't pay fees for your kid. Do you understand what I'm saying? You cannot pay school fees, but you're speaking in tongues because you think you're more righteous than those who can pay fees. You understand what I'm saying? So how God has designed the world. Things present and things to come, all are yours and your Christ's. Praise the Lord. So I believe in God's best. Somebody say, I believe in God's best. And that is the purpose of understanding the liberties of God. To make you understand that you're free to believe God for anything. You're free to believe God for the best. Praise the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, back to what I was trying to share with us here. So we live in a life where we're not with God's best. Some of us are not even in the course that God has designed us because we have never learned the secret of living a God-defined destiny, of knowing or hearing His voice to direct our ways and order our footsteps to define our paths. And I said, for me, this is the one thing I discovered many years ago and has blessed me immensely. Every success that I have by God has been because I have learned to hear the voice that guides my spirit. Every success I have in life is because I have had the blessed opportunity of hearing that voice telling me, go here, call this one, stand here, relate with this one, disconnect from this one, position yourself here, rewind a bit, pause, wait. Those things are key. But we have people Whatever comes in your head is what you fly with. 
you respond mostly under pressure. When you are under pressure to perform certain things, you find yourself behaving or acting outside God's design plan and destiny because you have been pressured externally by things that are beyond your control. And let me tell you, maybe you're still young, but as you continue to age enough, nobody can define better for you. Like your personal experiences, the mistakes that you could make because you are not guided by God, because you are not led by God, because you are not instructed by God, because you are not directed by God. And I want to help somebody this evening to show you the deepest secret of walking in the paths of God, walking in the way of God, understanding how it works and the benefit and power that it will come with. It says that consequently, when they look at your life, they can really, really affirm that God led this woman. God led this man all through. Somebody shout hallelujah. And there are two things that the Lord showed me that I want to share with you today. That's Psalms 32, verses 8. And I want you to note these two things because they're in this text and I'm going to take the rest of the time to help elucidate what is in this text. Verses 8, he says, I will instruct thee and teach thee in the way you should go or shall go. I will guide thee with my eye. And verses 9 says, Be ye not as the horse or as the mule, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with bit and bridle, lest they come near unto thee. There's something in there. He says, I will instruct you and I will teach you in the way which you shall go. God does not tell you go this way. God teaches and instructs you in the way you should go. There's a difference. He says, if you don't understand this, then you'll be like a donkey, a horse or a mule. And he says, which have no understanding, whose mouth must be held with bit and bridle, lest they come near thee. That means when you hold them with bit and bridle, you tie, you know, spread on the mouth and the face, and then you direct them by pulling them. God has not designed you by directing you through pulling you, by guiding you through turning your cheek. Some of you think eh, that God is this kind of person, you know, like when you're dealing with babies or little kids, toddlers, you're walking, and then the kid wanders off seeing a bee, and then you get the kids and hey, come. And then you pull them like that, you understand? Then you say, ah, we're going somewhere. This kid is delaying me. Some of you think that that's how God acts. That will get your hand, and then pull it, and then you go away, and then he'll hold you by the neck and say, I told you this direction. And then, that's not how God wants you to be. You're not a horse. You're not an animal. You were created in his image and likeness. He has designed a way to guide you. And he said, there are two fundamental things here. I will instruct thee, and I will teach thee in the way you should go. When you study the Hebrew and study these two words, instruction and teaching, they look like they're the same, but they're not the same. And I'll help you understand. The word there used for instructing is a training into prudence. In other words, I will train you into being prudent. I will train you into being contemplative. I will train you into 
learning how to connect things. I don't just want to tell you, go down there. You trust me. You just go. But you just trust me. No. I want to bring a certain understanding. I want to give a prudence to you. Because that's the only way I can direct you. I want to bring a certain contemplation. I want to help you, you know, have a certain understanding in whatever decision you make. So that when I say I have directed you to go this way, I've not just told you make this decision, but I want to show you why you should make that decision. I want to bring understanding to you. I want to connect wisdom to you to help you understand the decisions you make and why you should make them. Because it doesn't end in the decision you make, but it's also in advantage for you to keep a wisdom that one day when you reach that kind of crossroad, you don't need to ask God. The wisdom by which he told you to understand will direct you to know what to do. But if you never reach that crossroad, but you've met somebody who has met that crossroad, you can give them counsel. Do you understand what I'm saying? So he says, I want you to have a certain understanding, a certain interpretation of things. Somebody shout hallelujah. Shout glory to God. So that is why in verse 9, he says, I don't want you to be like the mule or the horse. Because these things don't have understanding. They're directed, but they don't know where they're directed or why they're directed. Those are destinies, you see, that land sometimes even in great places. But out of pure luck, out of pure coincidence. Jesus one time speaks to a wicked group and says, you brood of vipers. Who warned you that you should escape judgment? You see, who warned you that you should escape judgment? He's giving a provision of people who escaped judgment, not because they had understanding of who God was, nor the way of escaping, but there was a provision of luck, sheer luck, that they escaped the damnation of hell. Who or how have you escaped? Because when Jesus studies these individuals, there is no explainable order, pattern or wisdom for them to escape this damnation. But they have by chance escaped. So they are coincidences, spiritual, where some people stumble into things. I've seen people who have stumbled into graces, stumbled into assignments, stumbled into responsibilities, stumbled into glories that they carry no understanding, order or pattern thereof. The danger of that is if you enter that kind of world, only, 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 only wisdom by God's grace can find you to help you preserve or sustain it. Otherwise, people who stumble into things cannot keep them because you don't know the way of keeping them. You don't know the way of preserving those graces. And the effect or consequence of that kind of life is you see an individual who probably one time landed into a certain deal and got a lot of money, but they couldn't keep that money. They stumbled into a marriage, but they can't keep that marriage. They stumbled into something one day in 60 or 70 days of prayer. The anointing comes upon them and they were filled and consecrated. And then they did a mighty work or a miracle, but they cannot repeat it. Why? Because they carry no pattern or understanding in that grace. They one time did something and it became explosive. It became massive. It became so big and overwhelming. And people said, wow, 
This fellow is going somewhere. Two, three years down the road, it was nowhere. Why? Because they had no pattern to repeat the thing. It was not a revelation. It was not a wisdom. It was a stumbling into. So God, by wisdom, helps you learn how this order works such that in whatever you enter, not only can you explain the pattern to the one which should come after, but if you should lose a certain place, you know how to gain it again. Somebody shout hallelujah. Are you learning something? Are you learning something? So instruction there is understanding. But it's also not complete as the word cannot only be a one-edged sword. The double-edgedness of that sword is the teaching, right? He says, I will instruct thee and I will teach thee. Now, the Hebrew word there used for teach is the word to cast a vision on your spirit, to show thee, to cast that reality on your spirit. Let me explain it. That I have given you understanding of the way you should go. I've designed the direction and course for you that you should go. But on top of that also, I want to help you carry the distinctive vision of the understanding that I give you because without that vision, you will not meditate right. Without that vision, you will not design. You will not build. You will not construct. You will not command the things you're supposed to command. Without that vision, your understanding is not full. Your understanding is not full. Understanding is never complete if God does not give you the equal measure of vision. To define the detail, not many people are able to see or understand. You see, if God says, I'm going to make you a wonderful minister, all right? And I'm going to direct your steps into being a successful minister or a successful businesswoman. I'll firstly help you understand who a successful businesswoman is. I'll help you understand the principles that will take you there. The patterns that are designed for you to become that businesswoman. But also, in defining the milestone of your destiny, for you to mark yourself or examine yourself against the reality of the oracle that I've given, I'm going to give you a vision because by that vision, many things will reconcile in affirming to your spirit as you walk this journey of purpose that when you reach a certain point in life, you'll say, ah, I remember that in understanding what the Lord was defining in my life, He showed me of something that will look like this. It's important. Because without that vision, you might live in a deceived realm. You might live in a realm that is not agreeable to where God expects you to be because you have a false vision, even yet you understand what God has spoken over your life. Are you following what I'm saying? God tells Abraham, I'll give you an heir. But then the vision is not complete. And so, Agar is made available to carry the heir of Abraham. And God comes and tells him, no. Even though I said you'll have an heir, it's not through Ishmael. It's through Isaac that I will call you. Ah, 
but he has already made the mistake of Ishmael. God promises that I shall make Ishmael a great nation too. Why? Because Abraham prayed to God. He said, oh, that Ishmael might live before thee. Seven words. And the Lord heard and said, okay, Ishmael shall be a great nation, but my covenant is not with Ishmael. Why would he allow to go into Hagar and have Ishmael? Because he did not have, or those two were struggling with a full vision, even yet they had understood that God had promised an heir for Abraham. The vision was not complete. If that vision was not complete, then they should have waited for the one that should come out of Sarah's womb. Like I said, later on we start to see the war, not between Satan and Isaac, but between what Abraham begat by human effort, fighting what God had begotten through him in fulfilling the promise. Because consequently, God later fulfills what he promised. So those two things start conflicting. And I see people every day who are struggling in that kind of war. It's not the devil, no. They're struggling between what they birthed out of a false vision, even though they had understood what God had promised to birth, versus then what later God births consequently as he had designed it to be. And then those two things start conflicting each other. And a man or woman is found at crossroads confused. Do I take this course? Do I take that course? And usually, as it would look in the story of Abraham, usually there is great loss and disqualification of some things that by design and value will conflict the bigger purpose and pattern of God. Why did Abraham chase away Ishmael? Sarah told him so. She had her reason and God said, listen to Sarah, because that's not my choice. You see what I'm saying? What have you done to the world of the Ishmael that has to go feeling rejected by his own father? Abraham loved his son. That boy went rejected. He felt rejected. Up to today, the war between Isaac and Ishmael still ensues because one man made a decision on an unfulfilled or unfinished or delusional vision. Am I making sense? So it's also important for God not only to help you understand what he has spoken on your life, but to give you the equal vision of that. It says that one day when you stand and open your eyes, and see certain things, you'll say, ah, I saw this one day. I saw this one day. You see? And he's calling me as a young man. He told me many things, some of which I have no liberty to share. I'll share one day when I'm about to go to heaven, not now. But in equal measure, he showed me visions in stadiums. Stadiums were full. You know, I saw miracles and I saw signs and I saw wonders and I'm, and by God, this is teaching. You see what I'm saying? The understanding is instruction. He showed me things. So in life, as I'm growing, adopting and mutating, certain things start to happen and a blind eye sees or a deaf ear hears or a cancer heals and my spirit remembers, oh my God, I saw this vision many years ago and I'm seeing the fulfillment of this thing. Okay, now I think I know what is next. Now I think I can tell what follows in my destiny. Therein, the way in which I shall go 
is clear. I'm being guided by God. So there are things that would happen sometimes and they are so great, but they were not in the vision that by which I saw. And for some, I can actually tell this is actually a trap. This thing is seeking to divert me from the course God has designed for my life. Because however beautiful, promising, and pleasant or attractive it looks, when I go back to the vision that he has cast on my spirit, or the realm of understanding by which I function, this is not how this thing should come. And so I have learned even to dodge some of those pitfalls that sometimes beset us as ministers. Are you following what I'm saying? A prudent man, the Bible says, for seeth evil and hideth. But the simple pass on and they're punished. Are you following what I'm saying? This, I'm giving examples of ministry, but you have to go to the other aspects. How has God guided your marriage? How has God guided your career? How has God guided your dreams? How has God guided your innovations, your aspirations, your inventions? How has God guided? How has he led you in your workspace? Because if you are not led, it doesn't matter how much you earn. I've seen people who got an offer of promotion that was to destroy them. And they knew not. Because they never had a vision to define the milestone and the things where the place where things should reconcile in whatever promotion or advancement that God has designed for their lives. Whew. So this person joined this company and in that company they met a person, a wrong person whom they married and then their lives was destroyed because they married the wrong person which they found in the wrong company because they chose the wrong company when the offer came. Are you seeing how things connect? And then you realize if she had not joined this corporation, she would not have met this individual who destroyed her life. If she had chosen this company besides the other one, her destiny right now would be different. Her story would be different from where she is right now. And these things happen every day. Every day. That is why Psalms 119 verses 34, he says, give me understanding. He says, and I shall keep thy law. I shall observe it with my whole heart. Make me to go, he says, in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. Make me to go in the path of your commandments. There is no leading. There is no guiding. There is no direction. If you have not learned to heed to instruction and divine teaching, it is not there. It is not there. Even the prophet who speaks in your life to give you direction, he speaks in your life by a certain instruction. He speaks in your life by a certain vision. What if you don't have a prophet? Or what if the prophet is false? You understand what I'm saying? What if nobody ever speaks into your destiny? Some of you are desperately waiting one day for a certain man of God to call you out and that's where your life will begin. You might never be called out. You might live all your life without having been identified. They mean that God loves you less or that he loves people more whom he called. No. 
the way God works, He calls out those who He knows need it. If the man called you out there, mean that you're less favored, it means you don't need it. You need something else. There's another way He will instruct you. The danger of Christianity is we have a group of people who are looking for short fixes in the gospel, forgetting the way of instruction and teaching. When the Bible says that wisdom is profitable to direct, in that very portion of scripture in Ecclesiastes, he's saying that if the iron is blunt, if a knife is blunt, except you whet the edge, you sharpen the edge, you'll put so much strength in cutting anything. And he says, but wisdom is profitable to direct, direct into what? Into whetting that iron, such that in whatever you cut, you're not struggling. You use very little strength. And that is why the true mark of a man who is led, taught, guided by God is that everything happens effortless. God rids you of strife and struggle. Do you know how many people go through the worst in the world to get to even the smallest thing? You know, somebody wakes up in the morning and they write an application letter and they have a job tomorrow. And then you write application letters for seven years to get that same job somebody wrote one application letter for. Or even didn't even write an application letter. Somebody phoned them on the road and told them, I want to give you a job. We're hiring. Why is it that somebody was phoned on the road and they were given that very job that you've been looking for for seven years? Somebody's at the pastor's office struggling in counseling because seven men have all proposed. And for you, you say, in my 40 years, no man has ever said, Kalo. Not real names. Do you understand what I'm saying? You're in the world and no man has ever spoken to you. Oh, the ones which speak to you are not born again. What's on you? What makes an unbeliever see you and say, yeah, 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 yeah. And then when a believer meets you, instead of looking at you, they just Then they bypass you. Somebody shout fire. What spirit is on you that blinds you from the right voices and attracts the wrong kind? One time I was counseling a girl who told me, Apostle, me, only married men. I said, what? This single boy is nobody called, but once a married man sees me, pa, I told her you have a problem. What spirit gets on a married man and it has to observe you? And then the single one, once it meets you, it broke the The eyes are blinded. Somebody shout fire. <laughs> Praise the Lord Jesus. In that same chapter, verses 133, Psalms again 119, he again prays and he says, order my steps. Listen, in what? In what? In what? Read, in what? He says, order my steps in thy word and let not any iniquity have dominion over me. So that means the steps of a man are ordered in the word. They are ordered in the word. Some of you think you're going to dodge the word and then put God under damage control. You know, there are Christians who live a damage control life. They don't pray. And then one day they feel pain in their stomach. And then it wasn't two days. Then three days they start saying, hey, there's something I'm feeling that is not normal. Then the random person says, hey, you remember my friend who died of cancer? They complained exactly like that. Then you say, hey. Then you go on the internet and find every sign 
before you even go to the doctor, then you start getting worried. Then tomorrow morning you find them fasting. No, can I offer you lunch? No, I'm fasting. Do I know I'm seeking God? You're seeking God? Are you really seeking God? Oh, you're in damage control. <laughs> that Thursday, you came at 5 p.m. for the service. Not because I preached time management last Sunday. They came because they are dealing with a crisis. They are managing the damage. No, they are not praying because that's how usually they pray. No, it's the same artillery they keep. They pray that way only when they're in trouble. <laughs> and then two, three days, a word of knowledge or something happens and then that pain, what? It goes. <sighs> then one day they wake up and it is not there. Then they live back their life. Until the next day trouble comes. And then they're at their workplace. And then they receive a letter from the human resource manager. Hello dear, da 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 da. We have studied your performance and we have put you under PIP, Performance Improvement Plan. We are going to observe you for the next three months. If we don't see any change on this, we have no choice but to let you go. Thursday, they're the first. Shikarababa, Robra de Goza. They even get us a seed and then they saw it. Devil, you'll not take away my job. <laughs> by fire, by force. Makode, Zogodo, Zogodozo, Zekerere, Zekete. You know, you know, your wife calls you, honey, let's go to bed. No, no, no. There are things I need to sort with God. There are things I need to sort with God. Hey, so ba ba ba. You hear this person at 2 a.m. Goborodo, magobo, 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 magadagadagada, magadagada, oh, oh, oh. Now, if you had a visitor that week, they would say, eh, that man prays. No! Damage control. Then after those, they are praying and fasting. Then after those three months, you know, they're taking off performance improvement plan. They go back in their life again. Until the next dead damage, what? Comes. It is a dangerous life to live. Usually people who live that kind of life usually make the greatest errors when making decisions that touch life and destiny. I don't know why. Because you are not living a constantly instructed or taught life. You don't live a constantly instructed life. You see? So in Psalms here, when he says that order my steps in thy word, he's saying you're not going to escape the understanding of revelation. You're not going to escape understanding the word of God in this pursuit of finding direction. And then the Lord told me, I prayed and fasted, and then the Lord told me, choose Psalm. But I, I, and as a preacher, I want to tell this person, no. Psalm does not agree, not real names, with the word. The word of God cannot qualify Psalm. He said, no, me, I saw Psalm. But he's not born again. Me, I saw Whether he is or not me, that is the one God showed me. So you're trying to tell us that God is going to conflict his commandment to fulfill your desire. Wow. You see what I'm saying? 
you're going to go into a job that the scriptures cannot allow you to. Oh, me, God told me that he became all things. Me, God is the one who told me to go and work in that. But the spirit of God told me. Eh? Yeah. Okay. For five months, the person who went to work in the bar, the bar started working in them. Am I teaching something? The bus started what? Working in them. Eh? Me, God told me, I go in the world. He sent me in the world. We are preaching to non-believers. Then the guy comes back drunk. The one who went to minister to them has been ministered to. Don't judge me. No, we are not judging you. <laughs> Nobody's judging you. You went to win souls. How come you came back when the souls had won you? <laughs> I see it all the time. And Christianity is on crazy levels these days. It's on crazy levels these days. These days we have every kind of ministry. I don't even want to go there. Our altars are not consecrated anymore. Which doctors don't fear our altars? Nothing shakes them these days. Nothing. Because we have been corrupted even as they have been corrupted. Deceiving and being deceived. I was dreaming of a day. Why even which doctor will get into your meeting and say there's something here? Their legs start vibrating, there's something here. Praise the Lord Jesus! <laughs> they will have an experience that will bring salvation. Somebody shout amen. Shout glory to God. Glory to God. So that's why it says in Isaiah uh, 30, verses 21. He says, And though the Lord give you the bread of adversity and the water of affliction, yet shall not thy teachers be removed. He's saying anything. He can allow anything to go or take place in your life. But the one thing God cannot take away or should not take away or wishes never to take away is to take away the teacher. The Bible says, your teacher shall not be removed into a what? Into a corner anymore. But your eyes, he says, shall see thy what? Thy teachers. Whether men, physical women, used by God to teach you or the person of the Holy Spirit. He says, you need the teaching aid in whatever form it comes. And verses 21, and your eyes, listen, shall hear a word behind this saying, this is the way, walk in it when you turn to the right and when you turn to the left. The problem when people preach this portion of scripture, they only preach verses 21, forgetting that the teacher must be present to attune you to know how to hear and what to hear. Because the teacher opens your ear. Did you understand? Every instruction of God opens your ear to hear right. Why do you think that Samuel needed Eli? Because even though God was speaking to Samuel, Samuel carried no understanding of how God speaks. So he needed a man with experience to help him reconcile this understanding to the voice that was coming to him. Or else he would have missed God, even though God had departed off Eli. But a man stayed with understanding. So when you are taught right, okay? When you're seated in your bathroom, you hear the voice tell you, stop talking to this person. Why? Because you are taught right. You hear a voice in your ear while you are in your bedroom sleeping. 
Wake up tomorrow morning and call this person because this has to be done for you to get to the next level. Why? Because the foundation of you is that you are taught right. God is not a witch doctor. Witch doctors are the ones they go to and then they ask you for a goat, a cow, and a white chicken, and then you give it and then they shake, 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 and then give you direction. No. Because there's no understanding there. There's no reconciliation of wisdom, reason, and logic. God wants you to have understanding in everything that he reveals to you. When the teacher is not taken away, your ear will hear direction. The teacher might not tell you where to go, but the instructions of God fall in your spirit. They'll give you understanding and they'll open the voice of counsel. There are people I know, and I've said this two or three times, there are people who I know very well, the voice of counsel in them is dead. They cannot receive divine counsel because they're stiff-necked. They're hard-hearted. That is why the Bible says, the meek he will instruct. There's a humility of spirit that God requires of you if you want to stay under the radar of his direction, his leading and his guiding. Some of you, you're too proud to be counseled. Even when counsel is present, there's nothing that has hurt me as a man of God. Like when I could see that I can actually instruct this person, but the spirit tells me, don't waste your time. They're so hard-hearted. Not only will they not take it, but they'll take offense. Let them be, wait. Are you following what I'm saying? Are you following what I'm saying? And then there are those ones, God will tell you that one you must warn. You must warn because they'll take it. They'll understand it, they'll adjust and respond. He told a man, don't pray for soul anymore. <laughs> man is pleading, I don't, don't, don't waste your time on that fellow. Move on, I've raised another. Eh? Eh? Are you following somebody? Are you there? And then the other part that I wanted to add before I finish, if you go back again to Psalm 32 verses 8, he spoke of with his eye, he will guide thee. With his eye, he will guide thee. Don't miss that as well. You see, he instructs you, teaches you in the way that you should go. And he says, I will guide thee with my eye. What is the eye of the Lord? When you study scripture, even from the root Hebrew, it is literally the presence of God. Okay? Because it's in his presence that you are able to behold his countenance, his face. And there his eye is. Now that, if you do not behold the face of God, if you cannot behold the countenance of God, you will never receive the silent instructions that come from his person. It's not him pointing only, go here, go there, do this, do that. But it's the guiding light that comes from his eyes, his continent. I'll give you an example. If somebody did something wonderful for you, okay? And then you said, thank you. And then that person did like, see, did you see my face? He did like, what does that mean? Huh? Somebody does something wonderful for you, and then you tell them thank you, and they're like, it's okay, or you're welcome. 
See what I'm saying? You are welcome. He has said something, but he has not spoken with the mouth. You see? But if you cannot see that face, you cannot receive that oracle. You are with a friend somewhere. Let me give you another example. And then you're seated and you're in a place, it's boring and somebody's speaking words you're not interested in. And then you look at your friend and your friend does like, And some of you, you're too slow, that if somebody does like that, you're like. <laughs> because you think they said WhatsApp. You understand? Huh? It's just, meaning, it's cold. You got it? That's because you can see their face. You see what I'm saying? Imagine you're looking at God the Father, you're in his presence, and then you ask him, Father, do I go left or do I go right? And all he does is... Okay? Anybody on the side cannot understand that instruction. But because he looked on the right, you know he's saying, go on the right. And that is why I say, that is why we value the presence of God. Wanda was praying. As uh, preparing myself for a meeting, and there was something mighty that I wanted God to do in my life concerning the elevation of my ministry, and I felt in my spirit it was to happen in a specific meeting. You see, so I'm in prayer, prayer. I'm praying, and then the countenance of God is before me. Okay, and then it blows over me. You see? Because it's the face that does that. It's his countenance that does that. <clears throat> right? So I felt that wind. And that wind came with an instruction. And that instruction was simply telling me, I have equipped you. Go for it. That was the confirmation I needed. He didn't say much, but that breath over my face instructed me, you see? So this I think is his face, his presence. It means his presence. You examine people who have learned the art of just sitting in the presence of God. So yeah, you read your word, you sit in a service and that's wonderful, but you study people who have learned to sit in the presence of God. Let me teach you one thing. You don't need to speak to confirm or affirm that you are in the right positioning of the presence. You just need to consecrate in understanding a place with God and call it quiet place with Him. Even if you just got some worship and put it on a phone and just played it and just sat basking in there, no text messages, no videos, no nothing, and all you know in your spirit is that you are with the Father, even if you say nothing. That consecration is enough for him to respond to you as somebody who has offered yourself to relate with him. Because one wise man says, 
silence between friends makes the real conversation not the saying but the never needing to say is what counts that sometimes you can be so intimate with god that you don't need to say anything your hearts are speaking your heart is communicating as his heart is communicating to you when a man understands that place it is very very rare that that man would walk out of the directions of the spirit it is rare that that man will miss the definitive marks that guide their destiny because there are instructions there are things there are visions there are guidelines that only come when we behold his face he will not tell you sometimes that is grieved but as you fellowship with him you'll see him his countenance fall and he's disappointed and like ah i think what i did was wrong it was screaming yeah you did it right that's it but you look at your master and he's like okay and it's a thousand words in all languages saying this is not how even though they celebrate because they cannot tell the difference they don't see what you see because you see you should know better when those things start happening to you this is called refining fire that's where god refines us because you learn to judge things many people are not able to see or understand or interpret you need this life and experience because if you don't you'll struggle you'll struggle you'll struggle in isaiah 58 verses 11 he explains the glory of that leading he says the lord shall guide thee continually and satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not a spring of water whose waters fail not that's a man who is not in strife struggle rejection or denial everything you put your heart to it must work in verse 12 and they that shall be of thee everything that comes out of you shall build the old west places thou shall raise up the foundation of many generations and thou shall be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of paths to dwell in oh 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 the repairer of the breach the repairer of the breach you see one time i shared something about breaching the spirit like there are many people who error in the way of the spirit and god says if you understand how to relate with me if you understand how to be led and guided by me you're the one which will heal all of those which have breached in the spirit all of those who sowed in the flesh while they intended to sow to the spirit you shall be a restorer 
of the paths to dwell in. You will define the places to dwell in. You reveal to men the places that many don't even imagine or assume exist. But you reveal them because as you walk there, you can also cast the vision of the next man who should come in line. You make things possible. You show them that it can work. Because you've been in that place too. You are told of God. You're instructed in the things of God and you're a lover of His presence. You see, you can spend two hours or one hour just seated with God speaking in tongues under your voice. You don't need to shout. Some of you think you need to shout. No, sometimes you can shout if the Spirit prompts you. But there are times you can pray at your breath. Tonight, I cannot wake up my wife because I'm praying. No, I'll pray under my breath. But I'm connecting. You understand? But I'm in there. And you see, you can spend one hour or two hours in there, but you don't know that this thing you're doing, in four or five months, something will come and you will know what to do. You will know what to do. Why? Because not only have you sat around his teaching and instruction, but you have also learned the art of sitting in the presence of God. There are no seven ways. There are no 17 secrets of discovering your destiny. This is the secret. This is the secret. If the other ones are secrets, this is the secret. Scripture has revealed to you. You see, let me go a little bit deeper before I finish. You are in a kingdom of glass. Right? It's a mirror. The Bible says, and we behold like in a glass, with open face, the glory of the Lord. Let me help some of you understand what this means. When you go before the mirror, okay, you see yourself. And in that mirror is the reflection of your image. So when the Bible says, and as we behold like in the mirror, the glory of God, like in a glass, the glory of God. It means that whatever you see in that glass is you and is God because you are created in His image and likeness. The problem with that is with many people, the moment you make mention that person of scripture, they imagine a passive image, somebody looking like that in an image then you see the glory of God. You don't see a dynamically functional entity or image. Let me explain what that means. If you are in a mirror and then you move your head or tilt it like this, okay? You tilt your head in the mirror like this. What happens to the image? The image tilts, okay? It's not following after you. It is attuned to you. Who understands what I mean? It's attuned to you. So whatever you do is what that reflection is doing. So when Jesus says, I do as I see my father do, let me help some of you understand what that means. The deepest consecration of this understanding elevates you to a place where everything God does you are doing. 
There is no time lag because you're not responding. No. You are aligned and so one with him because whatever he's doing through you is happening real time also. So it's not what would Jesus do, it's what is Jesus doing. This is love made perfect that we might have confidence on that day. For as he is, so are we in this world. Not as he was, but as he is, so are we in this world. Now, get this image and give it an imagination. If you are thinking healing, the image, that glory, is responding real time to the work of its thought. Now, if Christ is the real life and you are the expression of that reality, like he's the express image of the invisible God. You even learn to tame your thoughts. Because the moment you think sick, you are sick, even before your body becomes sick. Did you get it? The moment you think poor, you are poor, even if you have a billion dollars on your account. Likewise, the moment you think rich, even though you don't have a cent in your pocket, you are rich real time. When you stretch your hands to heal, the healing is taking place real time. You learn to tame your thought life and every action of your life because they are governed through some glass. And the word of God is the calibrator and reconciler of the two realms. As you continue to study the word of God, you get to a point where you attain the full experience, the highest form of glory, which is doxa. All that God is and has is now functioning in you. As doxa. All that God is and has is now functioning in you because you are his offspring. That when the world looks at you, it will see God coming in the form of man. It happened one time in the book of Acts. These guys did many signs, miracles, and wonders. And then they said, the Bible says, the gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. Because when they looked at these men, they saw God in the form of a man. That's the reconciliation of all things. You see? That's the reconciliation of all things. Now, if you're in that perfect union, you cannot worry about direction because every step is ordered. Every step is ordered. Disconnect from this pattern, then you'll find yourself creating false images and choosing the wrong course and frustrating your own destiny. Somebody shout hallelujah. Have you learned something? Speak to God. Tell him, God, help me.
to God. Use this moment to speak to God. Help me, God. Tell him, help me to receive instruction on your teaching. Help me to dwell in your presence and reconcile things with you. strong anointing very strong anointing somebody put your hands in heaven and say God for whatever you're releasing this evening I'm receiving come on come on receive it God is releasing something so fresh. I see a very fresh anointing, an elevation. Somebody receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. 
Receive it in the mighty name of Jesus. Holy Spirit, thank you for instructing. Thank you for the secret that governs a God-designed destiny, a God-defined course. And we have learned, and we will be led. We will be led. And at the end of every man and woman's life, if Christ is not yet back by the time you go, may it be said that Jesus led you all the way. Give him a mighty and of praise. Come on. Come on, clap for Jesus. Clap for Jesus. Tell him, Father, I thank you. Tell him 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 I thank you. If you're sick in your body, receive your healing now. You came with a sickness, receive your healing now. If you came with any form of trouble in your body, you're healed now. Thank you, Lord. Pain has gone. You know, some of you, you need to understand how God works. It's that simple faith. Okay? Let me give you an example. How many people have just been healed as I was speaking? Put up your hand straight. Wave like this. You see? See how many hands are waving? You see, that's how I heal the sick. I just declare. So when I say, God is restoring your marriage, take it. Don't come for extra prayers here. That's unbelief. When I say God is healing your finances, he's doing it right now. Don't come for extra prayers. That's unbelief. Praise the Lord. God is restoring whatever has been broken. And God is going to use you as a restorer of the breach. God is going to use you he says, your soul shall be made fat and your bones shall be made strong. You'll be an example to nations. God is going to exalt you and elevate you to places. Presidents will hear, prime ministers will hear. The greatest of the land will respond to you. In Jesus' name, and all saints said, Amen. This is a wonderful week for you. This is a wonderful month for you. The next month is even going to be greater than the month you're in. This is the greatest year of your life than all your years combined. If you believe it, I want you to shout Amen! Thank you, Lord. If you're there and you've never given your life to Jesus, they say, you know, as you were speaking, I felt that I need to have a personal relationship with God. Repeat these words after me. From your heart, say, Father, I thank you for the gift of Jesus today. I believe that he died for my sins and was raised for my glory. I start a new relationship with him and I receive his lordship over my life. Jesus, from today, you're my savior and lord. I'm born again. My life is new. God will lead 
Amen. This sermon has been brought to you by Fenero Ministries International. For more information, contact us on telephone number plus 256-200-999-400 or email us at info at fenero.org. You can also find us on the web at www.fenero.org. Follow us on our social media platforms on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Subscribe to our YouTube channel at Fenero Ministries International. Or better still, feel free to join us every Thursday for our weekly fellowships at the Uma Upper Gardens from 5 p.m. to 9 p.m. and for our Sunday services at 9 a.m. and 11 a.m. at the Uma Multipurpose Hall. Fenero, make manifest.